them to Matthew chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through to the end. You might, that means, might mean for you taking your Bible out. It might mean turning your Bible on. However you access the Word of God, it is going to be up on the screen above my head as well. Uh, this is Matthew's account of the birth, uh, sorry, the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. If you're visiting us for the first time, it's fantastic to see you here at Emmanuel Church. My name's Paul. I'm one of the ministers at the church here. Let's just rearrange things so I can move around a little bit. Uh, And if you're not used to sort of churches or you're used to a certain type of church and this isn't necessarily fitting your mold, well, church isn't about the way we do things, it's about when we gather. And we might be different, but difference is good. Difference is good. The world is a very diverse place and the church is supposed to represent that. So if this isn't quite what you expect when you come to see church, then uh, I'm sorry that you had different expectations. This is how we do church here. Uh, And you are really welcome. Uh, I I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that... uh, For people that do stuff up here, they are supported by a team of people back there who don't often get acknowledgement. Uh, And yes, it was great to have the young people lead worship for the first time. And that's good. And we want to acknowledge they've done really well. But actually, uh, Dylan and Joel are supporting them at the back for the first time on AV and PA, you know, making sure it sounds okay. And the words though come up okay. Uh, and, and so, you know, the, we need to acknowledge the fact that for them, that is also a, a, a new ministry and that they're growing in. So I wanted to acknowledge them. And also just to, to, to say this wouldn't have happened without the investment from Paul uh, as well. You know, Paul has been working on, with them for many months. Uh, because these things don't just happen. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that there is a team of people at the back who make this happen. Uh, so we're looking at this passage today, and uh, it's interesting that, uh, that Rachel's word that she brought, sadly she can't be here, she's got a family event, was about community. It was about family. And we're looking at baptism today. Now, yesterday, some of us... Uh, Emmanuel Church tries to really build on community. It tries to make us feel as if we are one family and that you are all part of that family. You're very welcome. Some of us yesterday went to the theatre as part of our we do things together because that's what families do. Uh, We went to see Buddy, which was great. 
I thought it was great because I remember some of the songs. Not that I was born in the 50s, but I want to just point that out. Uh, and, uh, but it was, it, was, it was lovely. And I, I, you know, I, I spoke to Emma at the end of the service, at the end of the uh, uh, show yesterday. I said, oh, do you, did you recognize any of those songs, Emma? Just you know, from a teenager's point of view. She goes, well, a few of them. See, they're missing a treat, aren't they, when they miss the music of Buddy Holly. Uh, but anyway, I don't know if you noticed, we had two Buddy Hollies serving coffee at the back when you came in, and there'll be two more. There'll be the same two at the back uh, serving coffee to you at the end of our service. Uh, and we'll be putting on more events due this year uh, uh, coming up. I've got some things in my head, and hopefully other people have got great ideas about doing community together, doing life together, having some fun things, as well as just gathering on Sundays for these sort of opportunities. Because baptism is a little bit, baptism is in the church is the entry into church. It's the, it's the thing that denotes that you are part of this family, part of this community. Uh, and we're going to look at that, this today. It's one of, the, uh, one of the few stories of Jesus that, is actually, that appears in all four of our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all uh, have an account of Jesus's baptism. So they obviously all think it's of great significance because they all uh, have decided to include it in their testimony of Jesus. And there are some things about it which, uh, when you read it, you think, well, that seems a little bit odd when you first read it. And we're going to start to unpack a little bit this morning, start to work out what's going on here, why does it happen, why is it needed, uh, and learn something a little bit about it. So let me be, uh, let's give some sort of setting. Because if you're Jewish, and in the first century AD, baptism wasn't uncommon Ceremonial washing was very much part of Jewish culture. If you were to go to Israel today and explore some of the ancient sites, some of the archaeological digs, you would find that they have these uh, ceremonial washing pools that were part of Jewish culture. You would ceremonially wash before you, ha- you did certain things. And that was, that was just an accepted part of culture. And in, even today... If you were to convert to Judaism, you would have to go through a ceremonial washing, a, a complete uh, washing in, a, in what they call a mitvah. Uh, a mitvah is a, uh, it's a Hebrew word, which means to immerse. Now, if you were to take the concept of immersion, put it into Hebrew, you get mitvah. If you put it into Greek, because you know, Christians like Greek, because that's what the New Testament was written in. You, you get the word baptizo, and that's where we get the concept of baptism from. It literally means to immerse, to drench, to soak, to completely cover in something. And in this context, it's water. So that's where we get water, uh, baptism from. So Jesus was doing something that actually was fairly common in the Jewish culture, this concept of ceremonial washing. However, there is something noticeably different about what John is doing, John the Baptist in this, because he's calling Jewish people to a baptism, which is different from the Jewish concept of washing. He's calling them to a baptism of repentance. And many people were flocking to John. John wasn't there waiting just for Jesus to come to him. People were flocking to John to go through this baptism of repentance. And yet Jesus comes. 
And the, one of the, the conversations and the reasons for the conversation between Jesus and John, you can, you can imagine John going, I'm not baptizing you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus going, yo, you're going to baptize me. And John says, no, I'm not. You need to baptize me. It's like one of those conversations you see. We've had this conversation before with, you know, two little old ladies trying to argue at a cafe who's getting to pay for the, the thing. You know, I'll pay. Now you paid last time. I'm paying. No, I can remember my grand doing that all the time. This is the conversation that's happening between Jesus and John. I'm doing it. No, you, I'm doing it. No, you need to do it. No, you do it. You do it. And they're pushing it backwards and forwards. But anyway, the, the issue is here. Jesus is the one person in history that doesn't really need to go through this because it's a baptism of repentance. So what's Jesus repenting of? He has nothing, according to the Bible, to repent of because the Bible says that Jesus was without sin. He did nothing wrong. So why was he doing this? He didn't need to for repentance. There was nothing for him to repent of. But it's interesting what we don't really acknowledge, the fact that Jesus was not the first in the queue for this. The Bible describes John as being flocked. Many people went out into the wilderness to find John, to have this baptism. So many people had gone through baptism, this baptism of repentance before. So what is Jesus doing in joining the queue? He's not just joining the queue because he's British and if there's a queue you join it because that's what we do. He's joining the queue because in doing so, He's associating himself with all of those people that have been before and all of those people that are coming after him in the queue of baptism. He's associating with them, even though he doesn't need to do it. And that speaks something of the nature of the incarnation. God associates himself with humanity, takes on the person of you know, it incarnates himself as a human being and associates himself with humanity. And Jesus is doing that. Well, I'm going through this because everyone else seems to be, and I'm going to do it because they are, and I want to associate. I want to do the things that they're doing, but there's something even more that's going on here. And to do that, we need to go back a little bit. We need to go back to some of the two of the great stories of the Old Testament. And we're going to have a bit of a quiz here now. So, two of the Old Testament stories that speak of water and death. What are they? Two, and they're going right back to the beginning. I, who shouted out there? You would get in trouble if I was doing one of my assemblies or uh, on my classes at school. I, hands up. If you shout out, I ignore. Is that Carmela at the back? Carmela, it's your birthday today. You sneaked in without anyone noticing. And you're trying to hide as well. That m makes me point you out. Uh, right, but anyway, hands up if you know the answer. Sorry. Right, let's go for Joel at the back. One of them, please. Noah. The story of Noah. Right at the beginning of Genesis, we just really dealt with Adam and Eve and the, 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 the start of humanity. And we get the story of Noah very quickly on in the Bible. The, uh, and uh, the story of Noah, if you remember it, is that God is so upset with the way that humanity is behaving, he decides to wipe it clean and start again. Gets, uh, uh, and uses the, Noah and his family to build a boat. You've all seen the story, read the story. It's one of the classics, and it's still well-known in uh, schools today. And the, the story is the water is used and represents death, really, because everyone dies other than Noah, the people that stay on top of the water. 
Second one. Oh, there's another hand desperately bobbing up. Oh, it's, it's always my kids, and I choose, refuse to choose them usually. But I'm looking at adult. Right, okay, Noah, then go on. Well done, Gary, but he's just told you the answer. <laughs> the answer I was looking for, Moses, of course, the story of Moses and the Exodus. So if you remember that story, the Israelites had been in uh, Egypt for quite some time following the story of Joseph. You remember, if you don't know the story of Joseph, you probably know it because Lloyd Webber told you it. Uh, and they end up in Egypt uh, and the people of, uh, uh, of Israel grew large. Uh, and they became a threat to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians enslaved them, and they were uh, treated as slaves in Egypt for a long time. Uh, and then the story of Moses, the great deliverer. Moses is used by God to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt to, uh, to deliver them from the oppression of slavery and to bring them into the promised land. And of course, there you go, through the waters there, and the waters come back over and cover the Egyptians and the Egyptians army that's pursuing them is killed. So that's the second story. So in the Old Testament, the waters are portrayed as uh, to be below the water is portrayed to be dead. You are dead. If you whether in the story of Moses or whether in the story of uh, uh, Noah, to go below the water is death. It's so what's going on here? A Christian understanding of baptism, that starts to help us a little bit understand. So uh, baptism, as we said, means to immerse, to, to go under, to, or to be completely drenched, to soak, to immerse yourself in something. And uh, this is where the imagery that the, the, in particular, the Anglican church doesn't really help us to, to convince you. But the Anglican church, here you are, this is a piece of useless Anglican inflammation. And by word, we have a lot of it. But this is a little bit of useless information. Did you know, Anglican, the Anglican Church, we are supposed to baptize through full immersion unless there's exceptional reason why not. Well, most of you are going, oh, I didn't know that. I thought we just put water on the top of babies' heads. Ah, that's, that is the exceptional circumstance because they think pastorally it's insensitive to dunk a child under the water that's you know, only a few months old. Uh, so, but we are supposed to baptize through full immersion. That's what Anglican, the Anglican liturgy tells us. So if you imagine, so let's imagine this story of Jesus, okay? Let's imagine this imagery, not a little baby where the, the vicar just pours water over their head. Let's imagine the picture of Jesus in the Jordan. He's going into the water uh, and you, you may have seen it happen, but John sort of lowers him down completely in the water. And if, if John's any good at what he's doing, he's saying, pinch your nose, Jesus, because if you don't, the water will rush up there. As soon as you go under, it will rush, it will find the hole, rush straight up at your nose, and then you'll come out coughing and sneezing because the water's just gushed. So you hold your nose, you go back, and you come up completely out of the water, drenched, don't you? So the imagery here is that you're dying... You're going under the water and then you come back up again alive. So Jesus prophetically is speaking into what is going to happen in his life. He's prophetically saying, I'm going to die. I'm going under the water and I'm coming back up again. 
So there's a prophetic image in that as well. But this is the start of Jesus's ministry as well. You see, in all four of the Gospels, we get only a tiny glimpse of Jesus as a baby. Matthew and Mark, Matthew and Luke are the only two that we get really any uh, story about Jesus as a child. We get the, the birth narratives, which we've all just heard because of the Christmas. We've heard the story of uh, the angels, the shepherds, the wise men from Matthew and Luke. And then there's the one tiny little story, if you remember, one tiny story where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus go to Jerusalem. Jesus is about 12 years old. They all go en masse uh, from their town in north of, north of Israel to Jerusalem for a, a, a feast. They go there. They spend a few days there. They're all walking home, and the ladies and the men walk separately. Uh, and Joseph is thinking Jesus is with Mary, and Mary is thinking Jesus is with Joseph. They finally meet up and go, Oh, I thought he was with you. And then they realize they've lost him. I mean, it's bad enough if you lose your child, isn't it? We've all lost our children at some stage. We've, we've misplaced them at times in life. But imagine knowing that that child had been given you by God and was God. He was the son of God and you've just lost him. I mean, no extra responsibility Think, oh my word, how am I going to explain this one? Not just to the wife, but I've also got to explain it now to God. I've lost your son. <laughs> anyway, that's the, only, they're the only, that's the only account we have as Jesus. This is where we pick up Jesus. This is the beginning of his ministry. And this is why baptism is really important in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Because what he's doing, sim, uh, 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 what he's doing, is surrendering himself. He's dying to himself and saying, it's, I'm, I, I don't want to live my way. I'm going to die to my own wishes, my own desires I'm dying to, and I'm going to, I'm going to come, I want to be raised to life and live for you, Father. And that's what we do in the waters of baptism. We surrender, we die to ourselves and we're raised to, to life again in Jesus. And Jesus is doing that image here. He says, I'm surrendering myself. I'm going to die to my own desires, to how I want to live. I'm going to die to that now and then I'm going to come. I'm going to be raised to life and I'm going to live for you, Father. I don't, I, you know, that, and, and what he's doing is a, a pictorial, it's, it's, sim, it's a symbolic image of what he's already done. He's already committed to it. You see, we somehow think that the sacraments of which we have two, baptism and communion, are something what? special and mysterious. Well, they're not. They're, they're, it's symbolic imagery of something that God has already done for us. That's what a sacrament means. It's an outward sign of an inward grace, something that God has already done for us. We use sim, symbols to, to identify it. And that's baptism is one, communion is the other. God's already done this for us, but we, we've got these signs to remember them by. And so Jesus is dying to himself and raising to life to live purely for the will of God. Why is that important? What happens next in the story? Oh, Judith, I know you're going to know the answer. Judith, tell us what happens next. 
The Holy Spirit, yeah, let's skip to the next bit. That's part of this story. Let's, yeah, then to the next story. Into, there we go. He goes into the Spirit, leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. So he's just died to himself, rose to life and said, I'm going to live for the Father. Where does the Spirit take him? Right into the wilderness to say, let's just make sure you are. Let's make sure. Why is it important because Jesus' ministry that he commits to this? Because later on in his ministry, it's going to be really tested. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he really wrestles with this. And he said, and he said not my will, but yours, was the ultimate conclusion of what he did. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the cross, not because I want to, but because you want me to. I'll do it because you want me to, Father. And he went to the cross. Why? Because he's died to himself. And he's been rose, and he, he's, he's, he's committed to living for the will of the Father. So it was important. And that's what we do in baptism. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that, that actually in baptism, we commit to dying to ourselves, our own wills, the way we want to live. And we say we want to live for him. We want to live for him. What happens next is just amazing. And we skip over it as if it's just the word God says something. It's one of the few accounts we get in the the whole of the Bible of all three members of the Trinity being there at the same time. And so we have this this sort of theological construct in uh, the Christian church of the Trinity. We say that there is one God, but he is Father, Son, and Spirit. There's three members, one God, three, and that's why it's difficult to understand. And we see all three in this one little scene, this one little snapshot, family album. We see the Father speaking over the Son and the Spirit falling on to Jesus like a dove. And Jesus at this point, as far as we're aware, has done absolutely nothing. We have no accounts of any miracles. We don't have account of him walking on water or feeding the masses or healing people, raising people from the dead. We have accounts of nothing like that. All Jesus has done is managed to get lost as far as we're concerned in Jerusalem and be born. And the father says, this is my son. As if the, like, the Father God has got, his chest is so puffed out. He's so proud. So this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And that makes him sound really street, doesn't it? I am so pleased with him. He's done nothing yet as far as we can see. And I am so pleased with him. What does that tell us? tells us the heart of the father. The heart of the father just wants to speak words of affirmation over us. We don't have to do anything to please him. He's not that sort of father. He's not the sort of, God is not the sort of person that said, well, you could have done better. I don't know whether you uh, uh, ever saw Glee it's an American program about uh, this sort of show choir in, and a cappella group. But anyway, they, they've got these two sort of uh, Asian characters in it. Uh, and, if, and, and they're in American high school. And they live in the f- constant fear of getting an, an, a, what they call an Asian F. 
And an agent F is an A minus. Because as soon as they got a, an A minus, their, their parents would be on them and say, you're failing. And somehow in our lives, we, we, we've, got, we've got our brains into this mentality that as soon as we get an A minus in life, we have a father that uh, stands over us and says, you failed. And yet here, Jesus has done nothing. So the heart of the father isn't one who stands over us and says, you failed. The heart of the father is one who stands over you and said, You've, you, you just exist. And I'm so happy that, and I'm so pleased with you, just for being you. I'm just so happy. I'm as proud as punch with you. That's the heart of the father. He's done nothing, as far as we can see, other than exist, Jesus. And Jesus and the father is so, so happy with him. And here we see the concept starting to be introduced into the early life of the church of baptism in water and baptism in spirit. And it's so important, the church speaks, and Jesus talks about it, doesn't he, with Nicodemus, that you've got to be born again. You've got to be born both, you've got to be baptized in water and the spirit. You know, the, the mark of a Christian is someone who's welcomed into the church through baptism and then the spirit comes and falls on them and confirms everything that they've done. Every, that confirms that relationship because God says, when you commit to following me, I will live in you. So, perhaps, and we didn't send deeper out today, I did that for a reason because we've got uh, young people leading worship and doing the PA and everything. But also, I want them to hear this, uh, and as a church, perhaps on listening to the story of Jesus' baptism, realizing why he did it, he didn't need to, but he wanted to say publicly, I'm going to follow, I'm going to die to myself and follow the will of the Father. I'm associating with humanity. I'm going to do this because if I want them to do it, I'm going to do it myself. Perhaps you may be thinking, maybe I need to get baptized. Or maybe you were baptized as a child. You know, you, your parents bought you and the vicar threw water at you for fun. And you were baptized as a child. And you think, well, actually, I've decided now that I'm going to follow Jesus because I've decided to, as opposed to my parents. And you would like to reaffirm those baptism vows and, and be immersed, be mitzvahed or be baptismoed to be completely dunked. We can do that and actually come and speak to me because we will make it happen. We will look for an opportunity where we either get uh, the, 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 the baptistry, the paddling pool or... I loathe to say go to the sea at this time of the year. It will freeze, it will kill you. Uh, we'll find some amount of water which we could baptize you in. It may be as an adult, that's also where you are at. You, know, you did it as a child. And as you grew up, you've come to a living faith in Jesus. And you think, well, actually, I want to do that. I want to make that public declaration, either for the first time or reaffirm the vows. Come and speak to me. But maybe, perhaps in your life, you're one of those people that, cons that, that the whole of your life you've lived 
with, an Asia, with that sort of mentality of an Asian F in your life. That anything other than an A means you failed. And you feel that in your relationship with God, you, you're only ever living in a place of failure. And you need to really have those words spoken over you. This is my son slash daughter whom I love. With them, I am well pleased. If that's you, then we have an amazing team of people on our prayer ministry team who will pray for you afterwards, but who will also prophetically speak those words over you in your life. This is my son slash daughter whom I love. And ask the Spirit to confirm that in your life. You know, because actually that's a hard piece of, a hard mentality to break, isn't it? If you've lived under that Asian F, as it were, all of your life, to break that mentality is really hard. You do not have to strive. You are good enough, just as you are, for the full, full love of God. But for now, for those of you that have been baptized, I thought it would be good if we perhaps reaffirmed some of the vows or declarations you made. I also want to say that just, uh, you know that Rachel has been praying for the service anyway before she, we read out some of her email. But she also said that she felt there was someone here that had got an issue with her hand. She thinks it's the right hand, but she could be wrong. If that is you, if you've got problems with your hand, whatever, and if, especially if it's your right hand, then we would love to pray for healing because she thinks God wants to bring healing to that today. And we're a God, we're a church that thinks, well, God healed 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus and he hasn't stopped doing so since. And, you know, we've got some amazing testimonies of God's goodness and healing power here in the church. So we would like to pray for you. Again, come and speak to the church, uh, prayer ministry team, which will be over on this side of uh, the, the hall over here. So, uh, look, if you've been baptized, I want to affirm your vows. Can I ask you all to stand anyway? This is a bit like a wedding as well. Have you ever thought of that? I'm going to read out certain words and you're going to repeat back certain things. And this comes at the end of the baptism service. And all you have to remember is, I haven't got the words on the screen because it isn't difficult. With the help of God, I will. That's it. With the help of God, I will. Okay? That's it. Brilliant. So I'm going to ask these questions. Those who are baptized are called to worship and serve God. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? With the help of God, I will. Will you persevere in resisting evil and, whenever you fall into sin, repent? and turn and return to the Lord. With the help of God, I will. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? With the help of God, I will. Will you seek and serve Christ in all people, loving your neighbor as yourself? With the help of God, I will. Will you acknowledge Christ's authority over human society by prayer for the world and its leaders, by defending the weak, and by seeking peace and justice? With the help of God, I will. So may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith.
that you may be rooted and grounded in love and bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Amen.